0: Hello, and welcome to the Business Creators Radio Show. I'm your host, Adam Homie, and I am so glad you could join us today. As the name of our show says, our listeners are business creators, and they fall into several different categories. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses and win at the game of business and marketing. This can be web designers, social media strategists, media and publicity experts, coaches, consultants, anybody who helps anybody else win at the game of business and marketing and grow their business. And of course, the do-it-yourselfers who love to have your own hands on the levers and make it happen. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how our experts help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. We're on iTunes. Check us out. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Make sure you subscribe so you get the latest episode delivered directly to your iTunes every single week. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. So for today, we're going to talk about the number one reason why you aren't reaching your financial goals. And this is a very common topic when we talk about business creators and winning at the game of business and marketing, because some of us set financial goals and then we have challenges reaching them. Or we set the goals, but we don't really have a plan to reach them. Or we don't even set the goals and we kind of fly by night and then we wonder why we never seem to have the money we're supposed to have. So I'm especially delighted today to have with us our very special guest, Minette Riordan. And Minette is going to help us sort through this topic. Dr. Minette Riordan is an award-winning entrepreneur, coach, author, and speaker. She's passionate about helping women entrepreneurs to stop struggling in her business and start thriving. Minette successfully built a multimedia publishing company in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and is the author of the book, From Fizzle to Sizzle, Four Crucial Tools for Relationship Repair. After 11 years, she sold her business and relocated to sunny Santa Barbara, California with her husband and two kids. Minette now divides her time working with her clients to build their dreams and making art. She loves to spend time with her two kids and take long walks at the beach with her husband. And you can learn more about it at her website at minetterearden.com. So, Minette, do we have you on the line? I'm here. Great, great, great. Welcome aboard, and thank you so much for making time to join us today and help our business creators.
1: Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I just appreciated your introduction to the show and how you help small business owners and entrepreneurs. And like you, I think there's a balance to be had that sometimes is a little tricky to figure out about being a do-it-yourselfer and understanding when to leverage to grow to the next level. So I appreciate what you've created with this amazing podcast. You've had some really cool guests, and I'm delighted to be one of them.
0: And we're so delighted to have you be one of them, and we're looking forward to keeping this going. So, you are in very select companies, so welcome aboard. Now, before we dive in, because we have a lot of stuff we need to cover today, you're going to give us a veritable fire hose of information. Let's take a quick step back and give those of our listeners who may not have heard of you yet a chance to get to know you a little. Just tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are today, helping women entrepreneurs to stop struggling in their business and start thriving.
1: Well, thanks for that. So it's been kind of a crazy spiral journey. I wouldn't say that there's been uh, any kind of a direct path. I actually have a doctorate from Stanford University in Spanish. I was a specialist in 19th and 20th century Latin American poetry. Right. And still love poetry, but it doesn't really have a lot to do on the surface with what you see me doing today as a coach for women, entrepreneurs, and for couples. And What happened was that I was teaching at a private high school for troubled teens, had a lot of personal growth happen, realized my husband and I were ready to start our family. I was working hard. He was working in the Bay Area. We weren't even living, you know, most of the time in the same town, which is not how we wanted to raise our family. So long story short, we ended up following his job and career from Northern California to the Dallas, Texas area, where he took a job in telecom back when telecom was booming. In the early 2000s, we moved there right before my son was born in 1999. And I stayed home for a couple of years, and my kids got to be three and one. And, Adam, I said, I am so done. I love my kiddos, but I'm going stir crazy. I was not cut out to be a stay-at-home mom. But I was also really clear that I didn't want a full-time job that was going to take me away or require us. And actually, my husband and I were both have always been really committed to being present for our kids and having a lot of flexibility in our lifestyle. So I did, you know, the totally crazy thing and started a publishing company. I started a parenting magazine in the county where I was living in the North Dallas area. I knew nothing, Adam, about how to start a business, how to run a business, how to run any of the software to design the magazine. I just knew that I needed something to do, and I was gifted the concept by a dear friend in Boulder, Colorado, and kind of followed her model to start. And as entrepreneurs, one of the things that can sometimes happen is that our business takes on a life of its own. It became really like the proverbial rolling stone. And the magazine grew really quickly from a quarterly newspaper to a monthly magazine. We were distributing over 50,000 copies a month around the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And then in 2008, everything crashed. And we lost probably 30% of our businesses just went out of business. And then a lot of people at that time really started to hold on to their money. They were very fearful. They weren't spending on advertising. And mixed up in all of that was the birth of advertising online. So we really had to do some scrambling, look at our business model, really understand what it would take to grow the business to the next level. And none of that really happened or came to fruition in a way that we wanted. It was a really, really, really tough time And I think I realized at that point that I was outgrowing the magazine. My need for the information was um, no longer the same as it had been when my kids were preschoolers and elementary schoolers. So through a couple-year process, some private coaching that my husband and I both went through, we really realized that it was time to um, get out of Dodge, as it were, to get back to the West Coast, where we'd been dreaming for years of being and to start something new and different. We had no idea how to make that happen, once again, just sort of, you know, jumping blindly. Um, I converted the magazine to a digital publication, ended up really giving it away. I could tell you that I sold it, but basically at that time, you know, I was so done, I just wanted it gone. So a woman that had been working with me for about a year that had two young children, she took it over. It's still going strong. If people are curious, they can go look at NorthTexasKidsAllSpelledOut.com. all spelled out, dot com. And check it out. It really was a legacy that I created. and through the process, the painful process, the exciting and rewarding process of growing a business, of shutting down a business, of changing a business, of going into debt, of you know all the things that, that happen um, or that happened to me personally across those 11 years, really prepared me for what I'm doing now. And all the time that I was growing this publishing company, I was helping other small business owners. I would go to sit down with someone to sell them an ad. That was how we made our money was by selling advertising. And I would go sit down to sell them an ad and realize they had no clue about how to market their small, small business. And most of them were uh, brick-and-mortar businesses. And so I spent a lot of time educating myself and my clients about how to market their business and right. realized that that was way more fun than selling advertising. So to sort of shorten it up, we did a lot of soul-searching, realized that um, we needed to leave Dallas. Um, We'd gotten really complacent. It wasn't really the lifestyle we wanted for ourselves and our family. We were working really hard with jobs at that point that we weren't loving. And so we started looking on the West Coast and ended up moving to Santa Barbara, California, which is the American Riviera. I still, um, two years later, I am amazed that I get to live here every single day. I went for a walk this morning looking at the mountains and the ocean, and it's incredibly beautiful, and we've created the lifestyle that we wanted. My husband and I both work from home. He kept his job in Texas and is telecommuting, and I'm building my coaching practice. It took me about a year to get really clear, uh, which is part of what we're going to talk about today. Without crystal clarity about who it is that you serve and how you want to serve them, you can't reach your financial goals. And it takes time. You know, we can't, um, I don't think any of us, end up in the place where we begin, that it is a a journey of discovery and a a process of clarifying and allowing our clients to show us what it is they want most from us. So that's kind of my journey of how I got to where I am, helping uh, primarily women business owners and couples make money, because at the end of the day, all of us do want to have profitable businesses.
0: Yeah, that's a really great story, so I appreciate you sharing that with us, and it's What I'm very excited about is seeing how your own personal story will influence what you're going to share with us today. I'm really looking forward to this. Before we do that, here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And A lot of our listeners tell me that they have everything they need to implement any recommendation from any one of our esteemed guest experts except for time and money. Now, this is a question we ask every expert who appears on our show, not only because we get such a great variety of answers, but because we get such a great variety of interpretations of the question. So how do factors of time and money apply to what needs to happen for people to reach their financial goals?
1: That's a great question, and I hear the same things from my clients as well. I tend to work in groups and one-on-one with coaching clients, And you know, they have to commit to an hour a week to their coaching sessions with me, whether it's group or one-on-one. Finding the time to carve out, to vote to devote to growing their business always feels like a stretch for them until they're in it. And one of the primary things I end up working on, even though the goal is to help clients make more money, and we do that through putting a better marketing plan in place, the truth is that time management is at the underpinnings of everything. And it's a myth. I'm going to say it right out. It is a myth that we don't have the time. The difference is that when we're not clear about the steps and actions that we really should be taking to grow our business, we end up wasting a lot of time. I had one client I worked with recently that I think is a really great example that she just, uh, she's a graphic designer, and she just wasn't getting enough time to do the work she needed to do, the actual designing of logos or, you know, whole branding for clients, whatever it was. And when we looked kind of, you know, minute by minute at how she was spending her time every day, she was spending all this time in her email and wasting hours and hours responding to emails in the moment instead of checking her email a couple of times a day and then turning it off and really dedicating time to her craft, which is graphic design and how she makes her money. And so what we realized was that she really trained her clients to uh, expect from her that she would respond instantly to emails or requests or a small tweak on a design or, hey, we need a business card done by the end of the day. And so she was really giving away her time uh, in an in, in, in a, in a, in a aspect that wasn't serving her or really serving her clients either. So we had to help her understand how to take back her time Right. in a healthy way while still feeling like she was responding to her clients so it's a myth that we don't have time most of us just don't know how to appropriately structure our time and when we're not using our time wisely i find that most of my clients also struggle with putting their money making activities first and money making activities could include sending out your newsletter it could include uh, writing a blog post It could include picking up the phone and making sales calls or follow-up calls on prospects that are in your pipeline that have asked for more information and are waiting for you to tell them what to do next. And I find that people tend to, and this is true in my advertising business as well, with my clients – or not my clients, excuse me, my sales staff – they would put off making their phone calls till the end of the day so they're tired the clients are tired right. you know and sometimes then they would bump it to the next day oh i didn't get to my sales calls today and they would rely on email as their primary means of communication so from my perspective the connection between time and money is very tightly woven And understanding how those two play together and how by managing your time more effectively and getting really clear about the right activities, you can very quickly increase the amount of money that you're making in your business.
0: You know, one of the observations that somebody made to me a few years ago, and this has stuck with me, and in fact, I have this written down and I look at it frequently, is, you know what you and I and Donald Trump all have in common? What? We all have exactly 24 hours in a day. Yeah. So what does he do with his 24 hours a day that causes him to be able to declare a net worth of $7 billion? And what do other people do with their 24 hours in a day that cause them to declare bankruptcy? I mean, what is the difference? It's it's like you don't get extra hours in a day just because you're wealthy or just because you say I want extra hours in a day and you buy them or anything like that. You have the same amount of time and you have you know, all things – being equal the same life expectancy so how do some people do it and other people don't do it and i think that has a lot to do with how we spend our time and one thing that i really loved when you shared this thing about time and money is you know what do we do spending all this time being in the moment with our emails uh my best clients understand that when we're intensely working on something that's like their copywriting project or their product launch or something, I suddenly become hyper-available to them because uh, we're working on that right now. We're making it happen right now. But they also understand that when we're not working on anything urgent, it might take me a few hours to respond to their email. Or if they want to speak on the phone, I may say, that's great. Use my schedule or put yourself in rather than just call me. And They all understand that the reason I'm taking that approach then is because I'm probably in the throes of somebody else's something big. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's how I'm able to cover so many bases and get so much done because we can't be super focused on 10 things all at once. Uh, I don't believe in multitasking personally. I believe you do one thing, you do it very well, and then you move on. That's been my belief. Just having tried this, I've tried multitasking, it doesn't work. I've tried yeah. having phones ringing left and right. It just <laughs> doesn't work. I have systems in place in my business, and I spend a lot of time fine-tuning these systems where a person, can fu- or a person who I've never spoken with, who I don't even know who they are, can find their way to my schedule, get themselves on a call with me, and I can, with about five minutes preparation, jump on the phone like we've been old friends for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's because Mm -hmm. the power of information is there. We just need to emancipate it, and it helps us manage this whole time and money thing. It helps us build our relationships. I believe it's possible to put some of your relationship building on autopilot, and it's completely genuine, because forward thinkers like yourself are going to understand that that's how you cover more bases and how you change more lives, and you be the change you want to be in the world. But what I'd like to do now is I'd like to go to the main part of today's interview, and this is where we're going to kind of turn it over to you here, Manette. and I love where we're going with this. I I mean, our listeners know that a lot of times when I conduct the interviews on the Business Creators Radio Show, I'm not only the host, but I'm also a student right there with you with my pen and paper out, and I definitely have my notebook and my pen sitting in front of me ready to go, because you're going to be taking this idea of how we reach our financial goals. You're going to narrow it into something very specific that's one of my passions. And the very first question I want to ask uh, has to do with this idea of how we maximize our financial goals and reach our financial goals by getting a great understanding of who your perfect client is. So why is this so important?
1: So I'm going to back up just a, a little bit to the, you know, the title of the show is Understanding Why You're Not Reaching Your Financial Goals, and right. Adam just connected that for, for for all of you, and the number one reason you're not reaching your financial goals is lack of clarity, which I mentioned earlier on in the conversation, and it's lack of clarity around a couple of different things. I would say, one, most people don't even have financial goals, Adam, so they need to set some goals, And what I've recognized over the last year of working with clients is that when we really look at goal setting, financial goal setting, and get really specific about exactly how much money they need to make. So stop pulling numbers out of the air and putting this mythical, you know, especially if you're new in business, everybody says, oh, you got to get to six figures. Well, do you really need to get to six figures? Maybe you need to get to seven figures. Maybe you need to get to your first 25K. So understanding that how the goal fits in in your life is the number one step, I think. And then the number two step to take that clarity uh, even deeper is what Adam mentioned, and it's knowing who your perfect client is. And what I mean by your perfect client, some people call it an avatar, some people call it an ideal client profile, but it's having a mental image a visual image of who the absolute perfect person is and almost everybody that I talk to when I say tell me right now off the top of your head who's your favorite client so adam if i asked you who's your favorite client who comes to mind
0: um, i actually don't want to say because i don't want to offend sure, anybody it's personal um, about them.
1: yeah but give ex- me ex- 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 a
0: so. okay um, but i can but i can give you a clue about why they're my favorite clients is because there is such a huge mutual respect for their brilliance and for my brilliance. And we have such a great working relationship where uh, we know uh, how we work. We understand how each other tick. And, you know, a lot of times we can even complete each other's sentences because there's just such synergy. You don't get that overnight. You don't get that just because you charge them more or less money. You don't get that because you spend a greater percentage of time with them necessarily in and of itself. You get that because, You just develop it over time. There really is no substitute for time. We want to talk about time and money where you get to know somebody, you come to like somebody, and you grow to trust somebody. And when you have those three things come together, not only does that lead to website and sales conversions, but it also leads to relationships of a lifetime with your clients.
1: Absolutely, and while I totally agree with that, the piece I want to pull out of that is the level of clarity you have about what makes that client ideal right. and how in your marketing language to attract more of those, right? So this is the, the trick here by – and I, all of my clients, I encourage them uh, to write a one-page profile, a mythical profile. Thank you for not naming names. I should have been clear I wasn't asking for a name but more for a profile – but to sit down and type out a, at least a one page profile of everything that would make a client perfect. And mine, for example, is a mishmash of two or three aspects of different clients. And it includes everything from exactly what Adam said about that, the level of respect, with which you feel treated and you treat your clients about the you know, obviously they, they move at the same intellectual capacity, that's really important to have people that really get you. You want to work with people who get you, both on both sides. You want your, you know, your the person you're hiring to really understand where you're coming from. But yet I would add to all of those things, we want clients who pay on time and especially for those of us Um, And it's not just women. It's men, too, who tend to be very relationship-oriented and who tend to be very touchy-feely and love being connected, me included, to my clients on a a personal level. It's also important that respect goes deeper than just an emotional or intellectual respect. They show us respect. They pay what we ask. They don't squirt. You know, squabble about price. They don't negotiate. They understand our value. They pay on time without having to be reminded um, constantly. Or, or you know, you're not scrambling after them saying, "Hey, your payment's late. Where's your next payment?" That everything right. just flows smoothly in the relationship. For me personally, I love working with really creative, right-brain entrepreneurs. The ones who really struggle with structure and systems. They're painful. They're not fun. But yet they know they're important and it's one of the things that's stopping them from creating success in their business. Well, structure and system, as you know, Adam, it doesn't have to be boring. It can be fun. And I love your what you said earlier about how you're using systems to build relationships. I think we make a mistake when we assume that automation depersonalizes Uh, our relationships with people. I think it absolutely makes us more reachable and more present for people when they know that they can get a hold of us. And we make it super clear. Marketing success is all about educating your prospects about what the next step is. And when you automate those processes, it makes it really easy for them to move through your system to the place where they say, yes, I'm ready now to have that conversation. Yes, I'm ready to move to the next level. But first, you have to start with this very clear profile of exactly who they are, one person. I know we're going to talk a little bit about niche as well, but, you know, people get so fearful, Adam, of narrowing down and focusing on this one person, but I genuinely believe that we are not called to serve everybody. We can't. It's inhumanly possible to serve everybody in the world. We're actually meant to serve a certain population, and the, the clearer the focus the easier it is to attract them and become like this amazing magnet. I have a, I'm looking at a vision board hanging on my wall right now and it has this giant picture of a magnet with all these people being pulled to the magnet because the clearer that I am about what I do and who I serve, the more magnetic I become, the more attractive I become and the easier it is to build the type of relationship you were talking about that makes it so joyful to dive into conversations with your clients.
0: Right. Absolutely. Now, a lot of this that we're talking about is going to involve narrowing our niche to a certain point because we're identifying who this perfect client is, who this ideal client is. And sometimes that's more than just a personality type. Sometimes we like people who work in certain industries, who, who work in certain niches, or who have certain beliefs that are similar to ours. Sometimes that just is the case. So should we be afraid of getting so narrow?
1: Absolutely not. Um, As long as your niche has at least 10,000 people in it, which is pretty much most niches, unless you're really, really fine-tuning or have some really, you know, um, unusual product or service offering, most of the time it's not difficult at all to find a lucrative niche. And the trick is, again, what I said about making yourself magnetic. The clearer you can be about who you serve, the easier it is for them to self-select the easier it is to write homepage copy that converts, which I'm sure is part of right. what you do and Excel yeah. at, is helping people understand this piece. You know, I've talked to multiple web designers in the last year just through, you know, networking, and they're also frustrated because somebody will come to them and say, well, I need a website. And the graphic designer will say, well, you know, who's your ideal client? Who are you trying to reach? And the people are clueless. They're like, I don't know. I just need a website. So the value in understanding who your client is and narrowing your niche is that it makes you much more attractive to the people who actually want to do business with you. And people should not be nervous about narrowing their niche. I think people go into a poverty mentality, especially when they're new in business, that they can serve everybody and that everybody should be their client and they don't want to um, have to narrow because they're afraid they won't have enough clients. And the opposite is actually true. I know it seems um, crazy if you haven't heard people talking about niche before, but the tighter your niche, the more successful your business will be. For example, I serve at a large level entrepreneurs. Under that, I love working with women entrepreneurs. Underneath that, I love working with creative women entrepreneurs who struggle with systems. So you can see how I've been able to really, you know, specifically chunk that down. Underneath creative women entrepreneurs. I love working with women who are married and still raising their kids and trying to build businesses. So, you know, it just, I continue to narrow my focus. And when you go to my website, you can see how I call out specifically to one person. I'm not trying to serve everybody, I'm trying to serve who most resonates with my message and my way of doing business.
0: Right. I think think that's fantastic. Now, what are some of the things we really need to know about this client? I mean, we're going to be niching in deeply. We're going to be going very narrow, and we're getting this understanding of who this perfect client is, but let's develop this a little bit further. What are some of the things you really need to know about your client in order to serve them effectively or in the other 9,999 just like them?
1: (laughs) So the number one thing you need to know about your client is what are their biggest problems? And I would say you only need to try to solve two to three of those. You're not trying to solve all of their problems. Like, we could build entire businesses solving time. And there are lots of people out there right now building businesses around solving the problem of money how to make more money, how to keep more money. You know, there's a million different aspects of the money industry. It's a multi billion dollar industry. So is time management and organization. Those are two examples. So you need to understand. What are the problems that are going through your client's heads? You know, someone I thought um, that's a marketer, a great marketer, Katrina Sawa, said it so cleverly one time about you really have to stand in your client's shoes and you really have to understand the language that they're using to describe what their problems are. Part of our mistakes in trying to market to our ideal client is that we use language that's meaningful to us. Um, I'll use the the transformation industry as a great example. People don't buy transformation. They don't buy self-development. You know, they they don't buy um, positive thinking. They buy solutions to their problems. They may be looking for transformation. They may be looking for self-development and some kind of huge breakthrough personally, but it's not the language they're using. The language they may be using is, I'm in pain, I'm struggling, I'm broke. So standing in your client's, your prospect shoes and saying, what are their problems and why am I best at solving them? The other thing that's important to know, Adam, is where are they? Are they in a particular state? Are they in the United States? Are they in North America? Are they global? The coolest thing about growing virtual businesses like so many of us coaches and service providers are able to do right now is that we can easily go global, but that can also be really overwhelming. So maybe you want to start with working with people in your community and then outside of your community, in your region, and then maybe in your state. And you can grow exponentially in this sort of spiral form to encompass a broader range. Or maybe you're a massage therapist, right, or a graphic designer who loves working one-on-one in person with people. So you have to understand where your clients are that you want to work with. What are their problems? Where are they? You definitely need to ask, are there enough of them out there? that um, will support you in your business. It's an important question to ask. And I think it's important also, Adam, to think about their not just their demographics but their psychographics. Where do they shop? What else are they spending money on? What books are they reading? And if you're curious how to figure that out, there are so many incredible surveys of information. Adam and I were talking before the call, we're both history and Wikipedia junkies. It's pretty easy to get psychographic demo, uh, psychographic information on different segments of the population online lots of people have done surveys there's weight loss surveys and creativity surveys so don't think it's impossible to get access to this information or that you're going to have to spend a bunch of money to do an expensive survey another great way to get psychographic information is to go to your tribe right now and send out a simple survey monkey which is totally free and ask them hey what books are you reading right now how often do you go get a manicure do you spend money on massage Are you an online education junkie? Go ask. People are so afraid to ask their clients and their prospects what it is that they want and need. And that, for me, is like the secret sauce to success is being willing to ask.
0: Right. A friend of mine on Facebook is always asking questions that seem like they have no obvious marketing value other than perhaps to get people engaged in conversations with him. But they do get people very engaged in conversations with him. And I suspect this may be part of his psychographic research. Like, uh, one of the things he just uh, – one of the, the things he just asked is uh, – Uh, Do you like steak or shrimp? Uh, He's asking, please share a tip for staying focused. He's probably listening to this and knows that he's, uh, knows we're talking about him. And he's a great friend of mine. So I'm happy to pay him the compliment because he's a brilliant social marketer. In fact, I share his content with my herd on a regular basis. But this is part of the reason why I believe he does it is so that he gets some of this psychographic information. Another uh, person who's very well known in the social media space just yesterday asked people, what's your favorite flavor ice cream? Mm-hmm. You can learn things about people from this. This is not being silly or or stupid about social media or anything like that or being weird. I think what's being weird is when you um was when you share a lot of inflammatory statements that are meant to make people upset. I think that's what's really weird about social media. But I think asking people questions to tap into their passions, their beliefs, their likes and dislikes and get them to express themselves and be more social in the online space. I think those are great questions and I think that's exactly how you should be going up. I just want to commend every social media marketer who's out there asking questions like this because it's great that you get this type of information and I believe that what we just outlined is one component components of what you're going to share with us next and it's about how to create an ideal client profile. I like to call this your marketing Mona Lisa. Mere mortals call it your customer avatar. Uh, So what do we do to create your ideal client profile? Hey, it's my show. I'm allowed to be vainglorious every once in a while for a laugh. No, I just, I I love
1: that. I love that idea. So, um, and being very artsy and creative and, you know, I love, and, and, and someone with a doctorate in poetry, I love metaphor and imagery. So the more, and I think the more fun, that we can make all of this, and I want to encourage people to not take this too seriously. Yes, it's important. Yes, I think an ideal client profile is one of the most crucial steps that you need to take in in growing your business to the next level, and constantly revising and tweaking it. It doesn't mean it doesn't have to be fun, right? Just like I'm sure we could talk about creating content all day long. There's so many ways to make that more fun and engaging um, for people that, that don't love to create content. But back to ideal clients. So here's seven questions. I'll go through these really quickly, and I'm actually going to share with you guys at the end the URL where you can go and download this particular checklist on how to create your profile. So you will have it for your own record. So don't be scurrying to try to write down every single word right this second.
0: The okay, my pen is up. down. My pen, is, pen down. is down. <laughs> my, and my mind is open for everybody listening. Don't worry, you have a recording on our iTunes channel. You can listen to this as many times as you need, and she's going to give you the checklist anyway. So just open your mind and receive.
1: Thank you. I love that. And I will go quickly in the interest of our time together as well. So the first question, and you'll be surprised by how simple all these are, is just saying, who do you love to work with? And clearly picture in your mind some of your favorite clients or one client in particular, just like I asked Adam earlier. I can totally picture my perfect client, the one who did everything I asked, who's had so much success. Who's the one client you'd love to work with most? Two, what makes this individual or even a group of people ideal? Write out every detail you can think of that makes them ideal, that makes them perfect. Are they punctual? They pay on time. They adore you. They're always honoring your brilliance. They always do their homework. Maybe they're silly, creative. They're willing to be authentic and vulnerable with you. They always show up on time. I'm a huge time uh, Nazi. I, you know, I'm, Punctuality is super, super important to me. So I really respect others who have that same value. Do they have the same core values that you have? For example, one of my highest core values is freedom integrity, authenticity. You want clients who resonate with your core values and who share them. Number three, and we talked about this one already, are there enough of them in the world to buy your services and help you reach your income goals? Simple question, yes or no. Doesn't take, you know, you'll have to do a little research to find out, but in very few cases are there not enough of them to make it happen. Number four, keeping this individual in mind, again this is reiterating a little bit, stand in his or her shoes for a moment. And write down the minimum of three, no more than five problems that they were struggling with before they started working with you. This is a great opportunity for you to reflect on the clients that you have successfully served in your career and say, what transformation have I created? What problems have I solved? What were they struggling with before and now that they're really succeeding at? And then staying number five in that person's shoes, I want you to really describe the results this person got from working with you. So we looked at the problems. We looked at the success. So I want you to go into even more details about the results because what your prospects want to understand from you is that they can achieve those same results, that they can get those same problems solved, that they can also have success. Finally, number six, or not finally, number six and then number seven, now ask yourself, or even better go ask your client, where does he or she hang out Where do they hang out in person? What types of groups, associations, or organizations do they belong to? Where can you connect with them? Some of us are going to be able to easily go to networking organizations and find lots of prospects. Others of us are going to have a harder time. For example, if you are looking to connect with doctors. Doctors probably don't do a lot of networking, right? I've been in a lot of networking groups in the last 15 years that I've been in business. Chiropractors, yes, do a lot of networking, but pediatricians or other specialists, not so much. It's a little more challenging to find them, but there are lots of them, and it's a lucrative market if you can figure out where they're hanging out. So groups, associations, organizations. And then finally, number seven, the other thing to really ask yourself as part of this profile is where do they hang out online? Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google, Pinterest. You're probably already connected to them on at least one of these sites. So understanding where they hang out. Not every niche is on LinkedIn. Not every niche is on Twitter. Not every niche is on Instagram. If you're targeting young people, there's a lot of great business models out there that are targeting either kids in college or right out of college. They are not on Facebook, right? They're not on Pinterest, and they're probably not on LinkedIn yet. They're on right. Instagram right now. They're digging Instagram, right? Right. So understanding where they are helps you connect with them. So if you figure out these seven things, it will help you target a marketing plan and effectively use your time to make more money. So that's kind of the link to bring it all back around, if that makes sense.
0: Right. As a counterexample that further illustrates your point, I like to say that worship of your internet marketing hero, or actually praise of your internet marketing hero is worship of a false god. and. Mm To illustrate that point, uh, I have seen it happen where you have, like, I'm going to use, for example, web designers, because one of my web designer colleagues told me about uh, something like this that happened to them. Uh, I mean, I hear stories like this all the time, but I'm going to zero in on one specifically, where they had a person who became their client, and this person was referred to them by somebody who belonged to a certain mastermind run by a certain coach. And this, and this uh, client came to my web designer friend and said, you know, I, I want you to build me a website and create a newsletter, and I want you to make it just like my coaches. Uh, they even said it's okay for me to copy them, just make it just like them, do it the same way they do it, uh, just put my business name and my picture here. And my web designer client had been, or, or friend rather, I'm confusing friend and client here, had been down this road before and had seen that that's, probably the absolute worst way to possibly increase your website conversions or attract your ideal clients or even understand your ideal client profile because you're assuming that results that may or may not have worked for somebody else will work for you just because they did work for that other person. And this web designer colleague of mine had gotten burned several times actually giving into this. And then the person turns around and says, "Hey, why does my website make me any money? Why does anybody read my newsletter?" And the answer is obvious because they were copying somebody else. I mean, I mean, who wants, I mean, who wants to follow the clone ranger? I mean, come on. Uh, so what I what I told this web designer friend of mine to do, and this is a line that I had used when I was faced with a similar situation back in 2008 when I used to run a web development firm, uh, was to say to that person, you know what? That's that's very good, and I imagine that your coach probably has a web designer of their own, so they already have the templates where they can just make it the same as your coaches, just put it in your colors with your name and your picture. Wouldn't it make sense and probably save you a bunch of money if you just use their designer?
1: I love that. Now,
0: I use that a few times, and uh, one time the person said some things to me that I can't say on a polite radio show, but you know that's... <laughs> That's their choice. Um, another another person, uh, just before they hung up on me, took the time to remind me that there's a reason why they're my coach and you're not. They're making money and you're not, which is kind of hilarious because I make plenty of money. Uh, but uh, I'm thinking, okay, all, all the same, we're not interested in helping you become the Clone Ranger. And then you get these this third client that said, you know – you might be on to something here. I, I believe in my coach, and I know that what they tell me is right, but I'm sure you've seen some things too. So what are your thoughts on this? And my reaction actually was that I thought their coach was about 75 to 80% on target. But what we had to look at was what was this client's ideal client profile, mm-hmm. and how do we craft the design, the content, the copy, the layout, the message, the color scheme, the whole nine yards to meet that Client marketing Mona Lisa or customer avatar, and that right there is a the difference. I just wanted to bring this up. I, I bring this analogy up all the time, but it's particularly important as a counterpoint to what you just said. So what, now that we have our client, ideal client profile, now that we've asked the seven questions and we've written them down using that worksheet you're going to share with us, so once we have our marketing Mona Lisa, our avatar, whatever, right in front of us, how does this impact our marketing?
1: You could probably answer this question as, as well as I could, but from my perspective, it works on two levels. First, it works on what I would like to call the energetic or attraction level, um, where when we get hyper-clear about who we serve and how we serve them, all the right people just start showing up. It just It's magic, and I'm not a big believer in magic, but trust me, it works. I've seen it over and over again for myself and my clients that the clearer I am about what it is that I do and who I serve, then the right people show up. They're there waiting, ready, and I have to be ready to meet them. So that would be one level. The other level is when you are hyper clear about who it is that you're serving, it makes it so easy to create content that you can put out through all these different avenues. It makes it really easy to write the dreaded elevator speech or 30-second commercial and stand up in front of a networking group and say what it is that you do. And one of the mistakes that people make when they go to networking is somebody says, well, hey, what do you do? People almost invariably answer with, well, I am a coach or I am a doctor, And that's not answering the question. The question is, what do you do? And the way you answer that question is to say, I serve my ideal client who's struggling with blank to do whatever so that they can make the money they want, right? Super simple formula that takes all the fear and worry out of that dreaded elevator speech. And I'm a huge fan of networking. I think it's so important to be out in person connecting with people and building an army of potential referral sources, not People make a mistake. They think networking is about getting clients, but networking is about building relationships and creating referral partnerships from my humble perspective. So once you have that clarity around who it is that you serve and the problems you solve, it makes it easy to write your homepage copy. It makes it easy to write blog posts that show how you solve the problems that they want. It makes it easy to write those dreaded Facebook and Twitter posts or LinkedIn (laughs) updates, right, that, you know, everybody – get so confused about I don't know what to say, I don't know what to write about. And the truth is the clearer you can be about who you serve and the problems you solve, It simplifies every other aspect of your marketing going forward, and that's probably why I personally am so incredibly passionate about this particular aspect of marketing and think it's crucial, and I'm not alone. There are hundreds of other people. If you just go Google Ideal Client Profile, you will find a bazillion articles, checklists, templates, and how-tos that really – emphasize how crucially important it is and I love marketing Mona Lisa so I hope you've copyrighted that because I think it's a great term and you understand from the perspective of what you do for clients that without this piece it's, it's almost impossible to make money
0: Right, and what you have to understand is that I'm like almost half the world uh which you know, you know me and my fellow introverts, we basically rule the world now through
1: the <laughs> internet and social
0: media. I mean, the marketing spectrum is finally swung in our favor. We don't have to uh force ourselves into areas of energetic Activity that drains us. So we mm-hmm. are really starting to take over here. And you know how it is with introverts; we can't stand small talk. So if you start with "How are right. you," I'm going to say, "What do you want?"
1: Yeah, because, because <laughs> all this
0: "How are you?" No, I'm, no, I yeah, I'd rather be on the beach sipping my ties. Come on, how do you think I'm going to answer that question? Um, and uh, and then the whole thing about you know what do you do to me? That's like you know, that's like narratives. I don't want to do a narrative. What I want to do is I want to get to know. The person who i 'm speaking with, and people have been with me at conferences they 've been with me at seminars and people have come to me and asked all the standard networking what do you do type questions and they 've just stood by and watched while without actually answering that question myself, I turned the entire conversation around and made it about the other person and see what's happened here in the world Minette is We introverts, because I consider myself to be very much a classic introvert, have taken over the marketing world. The marketing spectrum has finally swung in our direction where we can engage in our website conversion conversations and we can network and we can make pretty much everything we need to make happen so that we reach our audience and we reach our focused niche markets wherever they are hanging out and deliver to them the message that they're looking to receive. And we can do this from the safety and the comfort of our own homes. That's the beauty of social media. That's the beauty of online marketing. That's the beauty of Internet marketing and social media marketing so that We don't have to put ourselves in situations where our energy will be expended in the wrong direction. So you know how it is with us introverts. Uh, There's one thing that we really find ourselves very challenged with in many times. It's when it comes to small talk. So when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, how you doing? I say, good. And they say, what you doing? I say, nothing. And uh, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to very quickly get them to realize that I'm really not up for the small talk. I'm very much up for the what-do-you-want part because mm-hmm. if you can get me engaged, I'll speak with you all day. It's a misconception that introverts are shy or lonely or antisocial or anything like that. In fact, you're introverts. In some cases, are some of the most talkative people you'll find. When you link to something that they're passionate about, they're just not going to engage in the same kind of small talk. Now, where this translates into the whole idea of uh, narrowing your niche and your ideal client, things like that, is that question we ask so often at networking events. That's why I'm bringing this, this up now. What do you do? Now, the thing is, I'll tell you the truth. I don't want to answer that question. I don't want to answer, what do I do? I don't want to have to come up with my elevator speech or something like that. What I want to do, and tell me your thoughts on this, is I want the other person to talk and let them tell me if they're my ideal client, if they're a great JV partner, if they're somebody who I want to do business with.
1: I love that because, you know, and it all ties so nicely back in with this concept of understanding who your client is. When you give people the opportunity to tell you about themselves and what they're struggling with. So when you're creating connection, you're increasing the no like and trust factor, which is so crucial, but you're also able to quickly identify how you can best serve this person. And sometimes that might be whatever your services that you offer, sometimes it might be that you're able to pass them a referral Or maybe they'd be a great joint venture partner, as Adam said. And finally, maybe you listen to them talking and you realize, well, no, they're not a great client for me, but I can hear that they're really struggling with this particular problem and I have the perfect referral for them. So when you allow the other person to speak and describe what's going on with them, you get the gift of being of service to them in whatever way is most meaningful you wouldn't be able to do that as effectively if you didn't understand exactly what are the problems you solve because then you would really be just listening for well how can i help how can i help will they hire me and the truth is when you have the clarity and confidence to know exactly what it is that you do and who you serve it opens this amazing space for you to be of service in a much broader perspective And create great referral relationships with other people that serve the same market you do. You know, one of the most fun parts that we really haven't talked about, about understanding your ideal client profile, is the other types of marketing opportunities that this opens up for you in joint venture partnerships, in referral relationships, in your community or your backyard. But it's being able to collaborate with other people who are serving the same ideal market, but from a different perspective. So Adam and I both in some ways have nice crossover where we serve entrepreneurs and small business owners. Yes, I niche it down a little further to women, but I don't specialize in content creation or in conversion, website conversion, like he does. So I'm able to say to a client or even a prospect, well, here's the aspect maybe I can help you with, but what I really think you need is to go over here and get help on this first or maybe in sequence. So it creates opportunities for us to collaborate and make more money together. If I believe anything, Adam, it's we grow so much faster when we work together and collaborate, and it's really important to create the type of relationships that you and I are creating and that you've created with this awesome podcast. It's a great way to be of service to the community, to educate your own community about how to be better at what they do, as well as to educate your prospects about what it is that you do.
0: See, I couldn't really agree more because uh, when I look at things, you know, there are many times I may go to conferences or I may be in conversation with people and topics like, you know, somebody who can help women entrepreneurs to stop struggling in their business, to start thriving, and to start reaching their financial goals. Now, that's not my niche. However, when that conversation comes up, I may be thinking, you know, that's not me, but I bet you I know who might be worth a conversation. Now, there's this person I know, her name is Manette. That's probably somebody you should definitely consider connecting with. And I may make the connection right there. Uh, Being in the business I'm in, where I help people with uh, improving their website conversions and simplifying their online marketing technology so you spend less time editing and maintaining and more time educating and monetizing, what frequently comes up is people ask me if I can help them with their SEO. And what I say is, I'm not really an SEO guy. I know how it works. I understand the on page and the off page. I can tell you if what you're doing is basically on or off base. But the person you really need to speak with about implementing this for you is, and I have a name. Uh, Somebody may come to me and say, hey, can you run an AdWords campaign for me? Can you run a Facebook ad campaign for me? And I say, that's not really my bag either. But I have somebody in mind who I've actually seen make their clients money with that stuff. Here's who you need to speak with. And I've created relationships there where that person has gotten business from me and vice versa. In fact, that person was one of our guests on Business Creators Radio Show, and one of our listeners hired them. Awesome. So it's just just amazing how that works. Uh, Also, because of the line of work I'm in, uh, people frequently get the idea that my company does web design services. Now, it is true that back before the year 2010, in fact, uh, it was August 2010, we shut this down. So we're kind of in the, you know, right, the four-year anniversary mark, give or take, of the end of my career in web design, so to speak. I'm not a web designer. I've never designed a website in my life. I can't draw a roller with a straight line. I need a tutor to get through art class. I don't have that type of brain. But what I do have is the ability to look at language to look at position placement, to look at how the opt-in box looks, how the color flows, um, how are you are using pictures of people on your web pages, and all these psychological factors and how we draw people's eyes into the website and into the copy to help them become more engaged. They're more likely to move along that continuum from visitor to prospect to customer. I know that off the back of my hand. I have strategies that i teach people so they can do first aid at home on their website that actually get into some of the psychology and some of the placement issues just some little tricks they can do that partially involve breathing exercises believe it or not that can help them i'm not joking that it has to do with how you use your breathing and how you use your eyes in a new way to look at your web page in a way you haven't viewed it before to get a sense of what might actually be drawing your visitor's eyes and you can do this without a heat mapping study and i've actually done this and then compared it to a heat map study and most of the times they come in pretty close to each other i oftentimes use one to validate the other as a matter of fact this is what i do but if somebody needs a web design or website designed what i want to do is i want to get them talking about themselves who are their markets what are they who are they looking to serve what is it that they're looking to accomplish and some things about they themselves and what they believe and what they're passionate about because I have three great website website design companies that I can refer them to. But I want to make a great connection. I want it to be a winning connection so I want to not just drop a list of names. I want to say, you know what? This is who you absolutely need to be speaking with. And if you want, I'll send them an email right now to let them know you'll be calling. And I have like gotten that. web and I have gotten web design companies business that way.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So,
0: and this is all because I have this little game I have with myself where I do everything I can to avoid answering that question so what do you do? (laughs) I would rather have them tell me what they need and then do it for them because I can guarantee that if they tell me what they need and it's something that I can or will do that that is a better answer to the question what do you do because at that point the answer to the question what do you do Adam becomes oh that thing you just did for me thanks you're great
1: Mm-hmm. I'll take that any
0: day of the week. That's more fun, actually.
1: Mhm.
0: All right. I love it.
1: I feel Great. like I opened a, opened a Cracker Jack box, right? <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. So what I'd like to do here now, um, we have about six minutes left here, is I want to kind of uh, you know take the Cracker Jack uh, toy out of the box and give it to our listeners. And what I mean by that is the first thing I want to do, Minette, is I want to thank you so much for being with us today. This has been an enormously powerful interview, one of the topics I'm very passionate about. So thank you for being with us.
1: Well, thanks for having me. It's fun to talk to somebody who's equally as passionate and understands that important value of knowing who it is that you serve and what a crucial aspect of your marketing plan that is.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we wrap up here, what I want to do is I want to give you the floor just for a couple minutes and have you tell our business creators how you can serve them and how our listeners can get more information. if They're on the edge of their seat ready to take this to the next level. Uh, you've been threatening us with some kind of worksheet or something so like <laughs> so I guess we should brace ourselves now.
1: So no bracing and no hard work either. It's a simple checklist of what you need to know to create your marketing Mona Lisa or your ideal client profile, to use Adam's terms, and mine as well. So we went over those during the call earlier, um, but they are put in writing for you, and it's super simple to find that. You can go to my website, MinetteRiordan.com, and I'll spell that for you, M-I-N-E-T-T-E. R I O R D as in Dog A N dot com forward slash ideal hyphen client. Again, that's Minette dot com forward slash ideal hyphen client to download a copy of that checklist to get on your way to really clarifying who your ideal client is, what what do you need to know? How do you figure out where to find them, and how do you get your message out to them in ways that are meaningful and authentic? Because I think at the end of the day, when we really understand who we're most called to serve and how we're best able to help them, it helps us to really serve more authentically, to be more heart-centered, and to really call out to the people that are really longing for the solutions that we're offering. So not all of us... um, are going to serve everybody. That's why it's so important to understand how to make yourself really attractive and magnetic. And so minnettereyron.com forward slash ideal hyphen client. If you're interested in having a conversation with me about putting together a more comprehensive marketing plan that's creative, visual, and fun and takes all the fear out of marketing, I would love to have a conversation with you right on my homepage on my website at minnettereyron.com. There's a big blue button that says apply now. You can just click on that button and apply to have a free 30-minute perfect profit plan breakthrough strategy session with me. We'll get on the phone, we'll figure out what's going on, and you will absolutely walk away with at least one specific action you can take to start making more money in your business because we can talk about marketing and ideal clients and time management and a bazillion other things all day long, Adam, but at the end of the day, we are in business to make money, and that's a good thing. I want women in particular to really understand the value that they bring and that they're worthy of getting paid for the services that they bring to the world.
0: Yeah, uh, I want to say that those are all great things, and I want to remind all of our listeners that our guest experts do have profiles at businesscreatorsradioshow.com, and we'll be happy to include the link directly to your worksheet there, because I think that's a great resource. I plan to go and download it myself as soon as we finish up our call here. And just one final personal note before we close off, I'm reminded when I was an MBA school, and I was in the, some kind of business class. Well, that's a business class. It's an MBA program. I don't know where I... That, that was the, that, I walked right into that one, and I set myself up for it. But uh, And the professor asked, what is the most important thing that a business does? And I raised my hand, and I said, business exists to make money. And he thought that was the most silly, insulting, stupid answer he'd ever heard, because that's like saying that we live the breeze. Well thing is we don't breathe we die and if mm-hmm. a business doesn't make money it dies we die. uh, i don't know yeah. i don't really know anybody personally even people who are the most heart-centered altruistic give live my passion money doesn't matter to me on a daily basis type people who aren't doing it for the money they're not mm-hmm. they're building wealth they're being successful, and maybe they're doing it so they can generously support a charitable cause. Maybe they're doing it so they can put their kids through school. Maybe they're doing it because they like the fact that they can employ a lot of people and pay them well and help support other people's families. Maybe that's their motivation, but I'm telling you, it always comes down at one level or another to the need to succeed with money and reach your financial goals. So once again, Manette Riordan, I want to thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me. You bet. You bet. This is Adam Honey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Check out our previous episodes, including this one, on our iTunes channel. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.